So my name is Luke Butler and uh, this is not the Back of House podcast. This is uh, the Hastings Connect podcast. Uh, to give you a bit of a, a reference point for why I'm doing this, I, um, I've been in self-isolation now as a result of uh, COVID-19 since, uh, well, call 10 days. Um, over the past couple of weeks, I have been calling uh, a large number of different hospitality operators uh, essentially just to touch base and it became pretty clear to me over the time that um, there was a lot of value being taken away from these conversations on both sides. I think um, having the opportunity to share experiences um, and, uh, and and take different perspectives on what's actually happening out in the market, um, considering it is so foreign to everyone, um, has been quite valuable. So. Um, I decided I would start recording these conversations and um, in, in the hope that it does um, provide insight to others or um, hopefully, you know, even just, just let people know that they're not alone in, in this instance. So um, I can't get out and do the usual podcast that I would do with Mike Rodriguez. So um, this will have to do for the time being. Um, but uh, we'll be posting this out across the Back of House podcast channel, but also through the Hastings Connect channel. So if you'd like to jump across to, to either and, and follow there, there'll be a number of conversations coming out over hopefully not too long a period as we get through this, but um, we will see how that goes. So that's what this is all about. Hope you enjoy. Today I'm speaking with Michael Rodriguez, who uh, is co-host on the Back of House podcast, which... Um, Hopefully some of you have listened to, <laughs> uh, but Mike is very actively working on the Keep Our Venues Alive um, initiative, which is focused on um, liaising with government um, and industry to assist businesses, hospitality um, businesses, through this extremely challenging period. So um, he's doing some amazing work, and I'll let him explain exactly what that is and how people can help. What's um, Yeah, so what's happening? busy you're busy i uh, just um i'm fucking I'm, I'm i'm about to send an email that i'm going to regret sending but i can't fucking stop myself you know you, you ever that moment like, yeah i did it today someone fact, refusing to fact, pay I'm, bills i'm like um you know what i'm, I'm, I'm that's why i pushed you back because i'm like i'm gonna write this fucking email i'm gonna do the podcast i'm not gonna send it i'm gonna write it leave it there chat with you then come back to it in an hour and delete out all the passive aggressive <laughs> <laughs> I did that. I used Lara as a sounding board on that. Like I've got I had a client who um, and I'm recording all this. I don't know if you care about that. We can always take it out, but uh, who after a lot of work decided that they just weren't weren't gonna pay for the work done because of coronavirus. And I wrote an email that was quite strongly worded and then um, I, as I tend to do, like you are, sat on it for a while and just, you know, <laughs> trying to think through whether or not it was the wisest decision to send it. And, of course, I, um, I had a chat to Lara and she's like, no, take that out, take that out, take that out. There you go. That's probably about right. I've, um, I just, I, I just, I, yeah, I shouldn't send this. I just shouldn't send it. <laughs> no, nah, if you think you shouldn't send it, don't. Just wait till tomorrow morning. Does it have to go tonight? Um, yeah, it does. All right. Partly it's because I don't want to have to work tomorrow for um, uh, because we're meant to be all on a holiday for timeout. So um, anyway, if you're recording it, I won't say any more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, so what's keeping you so busy at the moment? Uh, yeah, well, it's four weeks post 
working from home, you know, social distancing, physical distancing, all of that sort of stuff. So yeah. our uh, timeouts pivoted to this time-in concept, which has been pretty well received by the market on the whole, attracting a lot of interest from advertisers, which is if you're in my game, you need. Yeah. Um, but that is being done alongside the new campaign for the Nighttime Industries Association, which is going under the banner of Keep Our Venues Alive, which was launched, oh, I think, 17th of March, sticks in my mind as the date. We, in quick time, got a federal petition going to, I guess, draw attention to the plight of hospitality worker um, and try to get immediate relief because a lot of businesses were being impacted in that sector. Uh, friends were having to stand down teams. Um, I think revenues had taken an 80% hit at that time. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, when you, you're close to the coal face and close to people who are going through that and you can see that there's nothing coming from government and it really was a federal issue, uh, you know, we, we got active, I suppose, and that... That campaign sort of has gone along with others to, I guess, get us to the position where this job keeper thing is really an attempt to fix things. Whether it does or not is going to be another issue, um, but it at least at least escalated it and got hospitality into the mind of government. And, yeah. You know, one of the one of the problems that hospitality faces is that it, 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 it tends not to do a great job of advocating for itself, you know, at government level because it's so fractured a community yeah. across bars, restaurants, pubs, hotels. Um, so, so as a result, you know, the conversation at the time is, well, Qantas just got a bailout of $715 million. Where's the bailout for hospitality sector, you know? Like, mm. Qantas is still flying. Hospitality had been, you know, stopped in its tracks. So why no bailout? And, and as I explained to people, well, you, you, we're not understood as a class. We're not understood as a class that can go in and say um, to federal government, we're not going to stand in the way of physical distancing, but uh, if you are going to shut us down, you need to be there to, you know, help us, help us through it specifically. So that's what kind of, I guess, led to the launch of that, that Keep Our Venues Alive campaign um, that's now sort of evolving into other things. And how, that is what's keeping me Yeah. So what, what kind of shape is that taking for you on a daily basis? Like what, what's the what's taking up the time? Is it trying to work with government? Is it mobilising people? Is it dealing with venues? Yeah, so I guess the thing is about because the sector is disorganised in my mind, and, you know, there is levels of organisation with it, I should say, that, you know, the AHA is a well-resourced, well-organised lot as is clubs. But the question is, does that represent the inner city creative venues that I guess time out um, champions that you know you work for um, as clients that um, comprise the membership of the Nighttime Industries Association? And I don't think that that they do, to be frank. And so the statistics of how these businesses are being impacted uh, are all critical for government to make decisions on. Like it's it's all, it's all well and good to say we've been affected, but by how much, in, to what extent, you know, like, okay, you want to fix, tell us how to help you. Unless you can tell your statistical story to government, this is why Qantas is a good example because you can bet your bottom dollar Alan Joyce could walk in and just say the consequence of these decisions is this much reduction, this much lost revenue, 
this is what we need to stay alive. Like you go to your average small bar owner and say, 50 small bars, tell us what that looks like. How do you know, you know, how many staff affected, uh, what percentage of casuals, full-time, part-time, what leases are your, like that data isn't there. So it's been a bit of a process in retrofitting, um, you know, a narrative. We can create a narrative, which is, you know, sex has been affected, these venues are going to be lost. But until you can quantify it and say to this tune, you can't match government relief to the action. So, you know, um, uh, our first phase really has been about generating awareness, getting engagement from a wide group of stakeholders, bearing in mind that it's a federal government issue alongside the states, right, like this, as opposed to lockout, which we campaigned on effectively, as you know, some time back. It was a New South Wales state issue. Nighttime Ministries Association is predominantly a New South Wales-based organisation, needed to expand its remit a bit to talk a federal game. So um, first phase is the national petition as an awareness raiser, dragging the venues, pull out their data and then start walking into governments and saying, you've got all these people that have been affected, can you please help, right? And and then you've got governments at, at um, local council level, state government level and then federal level and you tailor um, your message and relief measures to what each can allow. So say, for example, you pick on liquor licensing, it's a state-level issue. So every state government in the country should follow the lead of the Victorians and, you know, refund since Jan 1 and waive going forward, you know. So um, who's making that argument? Etc. Right. So, and of course, in order to make the argument, you need to be taken seriously. How can you be taken seriously if you're not organised? You know? This is the problem with Facebook warrior commentary. It doesn't. It's not heard by anyone. It goes into an echo chamber of industry, all of whom loudly agree with each other, and you know, um, doesn't doesn't work its way through to MPs who are busy on any number of issues. And, you know, and it's sad but unfortunately necessary in this form of democracy for uh, businesses to organise and be at the table to negotiate. Um, otherwise, you miss out. So that's what the exercise has been. Um, so I guess, I guess trying to shape um, policy is the objective. Um, an example of that would be the JobKeeper uh package makes the assumption that the business is still standing in order for the relief to reach its employees. So hospitality, lockout, bushfires, um, COVID, most of these businesses were cash-strapped at, at one March, you know, looking forward to hopefully a quarter of good trade to kind of fill the coffers up. That's why they got wiped out so heavily. And so now what you're looking at is a government package that a whole bunch of people won't be eligible for because the businesses aren't standing and won't have the capacity to trade through to May when the allowance will reach. So one of the surveys we conducted showed that I think uh, 70% of businesses we surveyed in this sector were um, uh, optimistic about JobKeeper, but 87% of them thought they wouldn't be able to access the scheme, you know. Only 13% were confident they could access the scheme. So what that tells me is that government, you need to do something about this. Otherwise, you're not going to 
you know, you're not going to achieve the objectives of the scheme. So we've pushed that into the state government um, and of New South Wales anyway um, and, you know, are hopeful that, you know, something happens. And when I say something, you sort of like, you know, what I'd say is policy and advocacy is a, it's an, it's an art form, right? There's people who are profession, professional um, um uh, engage in that as a profession and years and years of experience and you know like I feel like such a rank amateur wandering into these rooms and I do an okay job but you know I'm I'm just not like I'm the best of a bad lot like in a sense right like, and um, you, you sort of do what you can and you need we need the media side driving stories because that gives you the um, the, the attention of the politicians is like they'll they want votes. They look at the news stories. They think that's a vote. They'll move on that if it makes sense for them, um, you know, in, in, in their political ambition. That's what motivates them. So you've got to connect those dots. You've got to create the stories, which you need the data for, run a run a campaign, organise PR. And, you know, a politician said to me uh, in the context of the lead-up to uh, the election uh, when I questioned uh, how broadsheets work his response was well i can tell you this all news is manufactured in the context of an election news is both manufactured and highly contested and by that it means that you know all these issues all the work of all the lobbyists in the background is is partly what's driving the media and 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 that's what we're in at the moment we've got a crisis and all the lobbyists are out there doing their job and driving communication strategies to get things in on the front page, you know, and, and that's what politicians are looking at. And the question is what is our sector doing in order to, in order to you know, to get that attention and then have politicians focus on our issues alongside the very just and noble causes of everyone else, I should add. I'm not saying that, um, you know, there is another hardship or other interest groups that need looking after. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that... You know, we speak for or purport to speak for a certain sector, um, and we need we need to tell their story as loudly as everyone else. And unfortunately, why why it's taking so much time and so much work is that you know we, we like, wouldn't it have been great to know that this was coming and be well resourced, so you had money to spend right now to do the work. So all we're doing is leveraging um, a mass volunteer workforce, which I thank everyone who's involved on, including yourself, to help. Um, but it's 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 hard, right? It's hard to do while your main business is getting wiped out by, you know, changes in the media market as it is for us at the moment, you know? Uh, the You're pretty battle-hardened at the moment, I would suggest, on the back of... Uh, lockouts and now obviously COVID, it seems, you know, the industry has been forced into a position where it's had to respond. Um, and I know Trump uses it a lot, I had to say, but it's kind of like a wartime kind of um, mentality where you are acting against something that is oppressing you in, in some fashion. Um, what With all of that information now at hand and experience, what would it look like in a perfect world if you had nothing to actively be um, responding to and could just behave in a way that would be ready ready you for the next thing that could come up? Yeah, so, you, you know, you, you need to keep – it's like any business, isn't it? You know, you need 
the right people in the right place and with the right resources to to accommodate your customer in the context of hospitality, you know, good chef in the kitchen, good front of house, good bartender, um, affordable rent, and away you go. Like what we're doing is is <laughs> calling calling people to sub in, and you know, it's five chefs on a shift kind of thing to, and you, you, without um, demeaning the work that anyone's doing because it's uh, you know hugely appreciated. Uh, it means that we are you know dropping plates every so often and. Um, and it's simply because people get stretched and you miss media cycles as an example. So we are blessed with um, support from Dylan Reed at Create, um, um, which is an experiential agency in PR. So that, that's been a help. Um, the Committee for Sydney are doing a lot of the um, policy and advocacy stuff. Um, but again, sucked in and just in, in New South Wales. We need people in Victoria um, and other states besides. Um, you sort of need a team of you know, ideally, like just think about what the AHA would have on this, right? <laughs> like, uh, and um, you know, I can assure you that my headquarters in the attic of my house is, uh, you know, a far cry from um, water views over Sydney Harbour. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but, <laughs> but, but be that as it may, um, you know, what we do have is the passion of a lot of people, and um, and you know, I guess at some level, um, who are underutilised at the moment. So coordinating them in in a way that. Um, gets results is, is what this is about um, and, um, you know, making sure that information is flowing between people quickly. That's the one of the other pieces uh, because what you do have on, it, on your side is being nimble. You have that um, and, you know, you just got to try and play to, play to your strengths and, and storytelling. So, so, you know, the Mary's guys, as an example, Jake and Kenny, you uh, Jake's on the board of the Nighttime Ministries. Oh, sorry, Jake, Kenny's on the board of the Nighttime Ministries Association, and you know those guys are gifted storytellers. Um, Ali from Electric Collective, um, great at a job. So she's helped land stories on the project uh, on 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 Hack. Um, my traveller, you know, running timeout is a bit of a benefit at this stage because we can you know secure media that way. Um, Broadsheet have come on board as a partner for the campaign. Um, so, you know, um, in some ways, you know, what I, I'm, I'm going off topic. What you're asking me is what do you need? I need a management, I need a team of five people with the equivalent of a million dollar headcount. You know, that's what I need. Um, that's not going to happen um, in short notice. But I also ask like, I... what do you need when you're not active? Like what do you need after this is done so that when you when it's not urgent, you know, the Everything's oh, yeah, in yeah. place, ready yeah, totally. to go, so that you're actually lobbying before something comes up. Like there's a voice and an advocacy right. group there. Yeah, we, we need an effective industry association that is funded between one to two million dollars, like annually. That's 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 the going rate, you know, and that's where you'll get reasonable talent um, and you, you know two to three headcount that can member manage, that can in, you know build the data. Um, run and, and build community and that that sort of was the work in progress and the strategy plan for the nighttime ministries association on february 21 of this year uh you know the world changed about seven days later and and um we are where we are now um but you know i i think um you i'm battle hardened and what did i i can't remember i think i remember saying when I launched Time Out, someone said, oh, you're an idiot. You've only got one in 20 chance of that working. And I'm like, oh, yeah, one in 20, that's all right. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> yeah. and, then, 
And then, and then when um, I did the nighttime stuff, people said, oh, you're an idiot. You've only got one in ten chances of it working. I'm like, oh, one in ten is great. Now I'm down to one in five, you know. I think um, that you sort of know what needs to be done. Um, but, you, you know, and, and I'm, I'm all for help. But, but um, yeah. Are there ways, and this is not about calling out any one, because no, you wouldn't and there's no need to, but are there ways that the industry could respond better, do you think? Are there ways that operators could get involved better or come together better? And if you've already answered that, if you feel you've answered that, um, great. But um, it's a a topic of conversation that's come up with myself and other operators in the industry and more not necessarily from a a lobbying or from a... um, an industry association perspective thus far, but I, I kind of get the feeling like it probably applies there. Like we, like mm. we've said, we come together in times of need and then disband. But are there different? Is the has the approach always been right? Do you think from operators as far as you've seen? No, I, like I think on the whole, yeah, and I guess it's an era of hospitality we're talking about in a sense. You know, if you think back thirty years and whenever it was the AHA formed, it would have been come together with the right sort of intention and right purposes when pubs were sort of homes of community and, you know, all these things, right? But but um, and, and now it's a however old organisation and well-resourced, well-connected um, um, politically, et cetera. Um, and, but it represents a certain type of business, which is not the same as the type of business that we are speaking for, which in the hospitality sector tends to be, F and B driven, um, um, little if no gaming, uh, um, creative businesses. I, I think they're, they're kind of. I, I think about them more as creative businesses these days than I do, you know, food and beverage because they're the innovation end of the market. These are the people from where trends emerge. You know, craft beer, gins, um, low alk, no alk, etc. So, so. And I think that there's a echo chamber in hospitality, as you find in many other industries, where the industry talks to itself about these things and agrees violently with each other. But the question I would have is how does that sector engage with the broader political spectrum, right, Like, and, and understand the, the beat to which it moves? And, and it's taken me, like, the lockout experience and... And I think I said on a podcast with you years ago. Look, I'm not, I'm not a politician. I, I don't know much about advocacy, but I, I know how to go and find people who do know how to do things and and put them together. And you know, from that, you you make progress. So, yeah. um, and, and I would say that having done it for two to three years, I'm still hopelessly out of my depth. I've got good instincts on it, but I'm still, you know, and that without big noting myself comes after the back of an engineering degree, a law degree, running time out for 12 years. So I understand law, media um, and um, and media and I've le- I'm learning politics, but it's just another world. This thing is another world and and, and I don't think that and, – and, and why would they? Why would the average hospitality owner or, or hospitality worker have the working knowledge of, of that, you know? Uh, I remember years ago trying to – help the bar guys organise um, themselves and, <laughs> you know, the, without offence to them, like people actually being able to distinguish which level of government was responsible, like city, federal, 
um, yeah. state, and then it defined who the correct MP was, like to go and see. They're, you know, state looks after certain things, and mm. you know, federal look after other things, right? So, you know, it, it's 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 not straightforward, and I think that um, that I don't know how you cure that. Um, and I think it takes something like this for people to start becoming politically active and campaigning. And that's what I look at right now and look at what the opportunity is. And if I look at the opportunity presented by this workforce, the Keep Our Venues Live workforce that we've assembled, and I think I think this is the future leaders of our entertainment landscape or the hospitality landscape, you know, in, in 10 years' time, anyone who's involved in this campaign is setting themselves up to be a future leader of the sector mm. because they're getting awareness of the complexities involved in campaigning, how government works, and in terms of, um, you know, success of hospitality businesses, I'm always, uh, I always recall, you know, if you've ever stood um, at the point of Crown Casino where the southeast of freeway in Melbourne just goes into it. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> yeah, did it. Yeah. You know, that's not by chance. That's why, <laughs> yeah. why, that's why being coordinated and working with government to literally for a whole bunch of Melburnians into your casino, right? Like, and, and um, I know it's counterintuitive and, uh, you know, it's, it's a sensitive topic sometimes, casino politics, but, you know, there's 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 an element of, um, let's look at that and learn from it and um, and um, try to, you know, say, well, okay, that's how that works. What's our version of that? And um, getting people a, a good, viable organisation and a problem like this to work on is just an opportunity to um, get to upskill, really. It's an opportunity to upskill. Mm. It's, um, mm, it's no small challenge. Obviously, I mean, this may sound like a plug, it probably is, but um, you know, if, if people were wanting to get involved um, to support, whether it be through, I guess, you know, filling out surveys, joining petitions, you know, adding time, whatever they could possibly do. You mentioned um, New South Wales probably isn't necessarily where you need the assistance, maybe down in Victoria or other states. Like, what, what would you, what would be helpful, do you think? Yeah, it's a really good time to be asking and we're just trying to work that through because at one end of the spectrum has been the immediate human impact created by COVID on hospitality. And yeah. I think as much as anything, I was explaining to my daughter who was asking me what I was doing working around the clock about four weeks ago. Hard to explain to a six-year-old, like, you know, that you value going out and all the rest of it. And she looked at a photo of Jake and Kenny and I just said, well, these are my friends. These are my friends. Like... I have to help them, and yeah. and and that's just a strong emotional connection that I've built over the years because you know I, I love the sector, um, and and now many of the people that I love work uh, come from the sector, so it's really painful where you just see that level of human hurt, and you just have to act. So do so, do what you can, right? So there's that mitigate human impact piece, which. Things like JobKeeper, the rent relief, look, none of this is going to be perfect, but it's like the train is now moving in a direction to provide assistance. You know, I'm not kidding myself. There will be huge casualties, businesses, employees um, of this of this crisis. Um, you've got a job. 
to do re-employing people in a sense later um, in, or facilitating re-employment um, and so forth and I know you'll do a great great work great work there so there's that end of it but really what this is about is what does recovery look like mm. and, and how can we shape the, the political and government and regulatory landscape in a way that stacks the deck in favor of these types of creative businesses and independent hospitality yeah that's that's the question, and and um, it's a very hard thing at the moment because, and I don't know the answer, Luke. The governments are already thinking about recovery just because the economic cost of lockdown is yeah just trillions. So the question is, how will the recovery occur, and and who should help formulate that plan? Yeah, and and. I, I, like this is, a, I think, just an interesting conversation in and of itself. And you know, I know that you've spent time thinking about this, and very interested to get your thoughts. Um, but, but what I can say is that wouldn't it be great for the independent scene to shape the thinking around that and mm. lead the way? And and I think that that's what the opportunity is. That if you think about when will we see a large scale festival again, right? Like, and and. Um, and particularly, could you see a large-scale festival event during um, during COVID, right? And and the answer to that is, well, if you can't see a cafe trading semi-normally, then you're going to be hard rest getting to a festival yeah. in that time. So, and then from there, bar, restaurant, cafe, pub, like that's the kind of step yeah. up, isn't it, in terms of um, viability of business? So bars can potentially, you know, um, manage stock and staff in a way that. Is, is is more favourable than you know a restaurants because of produce and dating expiring all the rest of it. So you yeah. know um, maybe there's a so so all those things um, are within contemplation. And much like the lockout, um, the night the work the nighttime industry association did 2018 to 20 is we we, we helped catalyse change by by creating a new narrative and. That narrative then became the context in which lockout would be removed, and yeah. that narrative was nighttime economy as opposed to police, alcohol, violence, and health. So, the question is, how do we do that within eight weeks yeah. on a national basis? That's the that's the the question. And so, if you go to the Victoria discussion uh, um, and Queensland and every other state, uh, how do how do you get alignment between independent hospitality, particularly where Chefs are seen as celebrities, um, you know, still, and, um, you know, and and often engage, like, the popular debate, um, but aren't necessarily representative of, you know, um, um, the, you know, celebrity chefs aren't necessarily representative of the sector that I'm talking about mm. on the whole. Um, you know, these are some of the, 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 the questions. And, and how do you do all of that while competing at some level with the other interest groups to be trying to bend the ear of government and and well-intentioned, though that might be, influence the way policy is shaped. Mm. Um, so, I, I, yeah, like it, I, I'm really open to ideas. And, um, <laughs> it's and, um, it's and, a pretty small problem. I mean, I, I don't know yeah. where I've spoken about it <laughs> and, and I've been sending through... Um, I guess my perspective for what it's worth to you and the rest of the team, but I think um, 
I just question whether or not or how many businesses have actually thought through what it's going to look like when they open. And that is the scary part. Like I was saying to the team before that, um, to your team, sorry, this morning on a call, like well, I'm, I'm building with the help of some other people a calculator, right, that is quite simple, but it's a process that I went through with my business just to, to uh, be able to ascertain how much money I was going to have and how many, you know, how long the business could potentially su- uh, survive taking away hibernation costs, um, understanding what it was going to take for me to get going, forecasting revenue. Um, and it really puts things into perspective pretty quickly. And I think I've said to you before, I probably said it on, on these chats many times or everyone, I think uh, that my concern for the industry as a whole is that I think most businesses will make it to the other side as, as, um, as in when restrictions are lifted. I don't think, well, I think a, a high percentage of businesses, which high might, you know, could be 10, 15%, but I think that's quite high when we're talking about attrition, um, will probably uh, get into very serious, if not um, uh, catastrophic uh, financial position within the first three months. Once they realise the low levels of trade that, that they have access to, the cost of getting the business back up and running, cash flow. Um, so a calculator that will actually help them identify how long they will have uh, available to get through. Yeah, look, um, look mate, I think that kind of so, so well expressed and one hundred percent. There's you know, room, or sorry, it's very necessary what you're describing. Like in that, uh, it's the uh, nitty gritty, ugly truths of of actually getting your business up and running, um, which needs to inform the recovery plan, right? Because if you can identify what the pressure points are, then mm. you can shape government policy to start, start stacking the deck in favour of a healthy recovery and, and, and give businesses a chance of success because government will want to see success and it's, totally. you, need, you need the policy levers can, um, pulled in the right direction and then you need right decision-making decision on the um, industry side. The thing that I occurs to me, and I had this conversation today with Liam at the Welcome, in, in, in that the one of the, my frustrations of government missteps during March was, you know, physical distancing measures that caused hospitality to pivot and re-pivot and pivot again. So first it was um, we're going to, you know, bring some level of physical distancing in so hospitality had to try and run a campaign to say to everyone it's safe to come to venues still. We're doing all this great work. And then, you know, okay, well, we're going to put this four square metre thing in and five, you know. So then, okay, how does that, what does that look? Another week was wasted. New campaigns were built, everyone. And then it's like, oh, well, now we're now we're just going to lock anyone down in every way. But what we're going to do is promote delivery and takeaway. And then so, so, so even as it stands, there's businesses still trading. Uh, and I think our survey said that, I think 70%, oh, I can't remember the number, but but of the people that were still trading, there was a good number trading into the red, like yeah, trying yeah, totally. to make delivery work. And 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 it's like that is a death by a thousand cuts. And mm. what I found myself saying earlier was, as Liam described, the decision-making process that you're alluding to about how to start getting back on your feet is it could be death by a thousand cuts 
on the way out, uh, on the on the way back in. Mate, the business. Um, I feel like most operators are the proverbial. What is it? A frog in um, boiling water. The water is just right. starting to get warm. Um, if we could make businesses realise that they're actually in very very hot water right now, maybe they would start jumping up and down and 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 maybe informing some of the decisions by just pure necessity um, and not necessarily being scared but but understanding the position that they're going to be in in maybe four months, um, which might motivate uh, a little bit more than obviously not knowing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, it does. And, and you know, it's where I know the limits of my capability, right? Like it's – I don't have that uh, detailed insight, working knowledge of venues and, and supply chains and the rest of it that – costs and stuff um but i can understand intuitively that some of these machines like and the larger they are the harder the startup will be like just the to get to recommission the business essentially mm. like you know so you can run a hundred cover service like when when would that happen you know like you 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 know you see venues that sort of staff up immediately and wait there'll be tumbleweeds out there like um, uh, one thing I'm sort of conscious of that we will have a view on through time out is audience behaviour uh, and, you know, what it looks like in other markets, you know, where, where these things either under control or coming under control. Um, and, you know, Singapore is one where you're active, we are as well. And, yeah, there are people will jibs and drabs out again. But at the point at which that starts happening, there'll be more supply than there is demand. And you know, mm. you know you, you've been into, into in, which is where some of these measures that the government's proposing, uh, it's just like kicking a problem down the road. You know, he have some more debt, um, and like so, you know, you think about it. Like here's 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 a business loan that puts you in debt. Um, here's here's like a um, and and then you know in six months' time, please come out and play again. You'll burn through um, cash at that point. Like yep. uh, you know, maybe three months worth of cash burn probably, um, uh, and yeah, like which is where, which is where unfortunately I think we end up going. Let's just think about you know Christmas and into March because six months you know like you start doing the maths on it. Like unless there's some pretty significant changes on on um, physical distancing and herd immunity that happens in the next week on policy. Um, and people start saying, yeah, let's infect the public by having people go out again, which is some of the discussions in, you know, uh, today's press. And, um, and and we can look to Europe to see how they approach it. But, um, yeah, I think these are all the right discussions. And, um, and uh, you know, I think um, there's a role for people to play. Um, and I, I don't know, I think it's, you know, when you find yourself... Um, <laughs> Now, it's us who should lead it, right? It's the it's the people of of of, of who who are uh, intelligent, uh, resourced, and experienced that need to get active now. And that's why I go back to the workforce and think, great, we can build a coalition of people here who respect each other, bring different things to the table. Then what we can end up with is people who can help lead the market and. Um, on, on the technical side, as I would describe what you're describing to be, and then hopefully I can, and with the help of others, bring in some of that heavy-hitting policy and advocacy stuff um, to, um, to you know, really reshape things. And I think I'm hopefully New South Wales, because of lockout and the revision of it 
the, the government's already thinking that way. Yeah. You know, so I would suggest that we've got a really good opportunity to rewire um, things. You know, it's a really good question, actually. In 12 months, like, you know, the 12-month review of lockout, which is meant to be happening in, I think, December this year in the cross, right? We're going to pass that with flying colours. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. zero, zero casualties. Like, what are you talking about? And, yeah. and, and that should be one of the asks. We should get rid of lockout in the cross. Like, it does not make sense anymore. Like, mm. it, it, no, that's the who's, – but who's making that argument and when? Like, that's – and all that stuff is what we need to be doing now for the recovery. Mm. I think. No, I, look, I, totally I, agree. I, I think there'd be few people who would disagree with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when, when I get going on a rant, Luke, it's hard to slow me down. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, I've got only got a couple of minutes left. I think my phone's about to die, unfortunately. But what are you doing uh, to pass the time? Are you in isolation at the moment? Are you in self isolation? Is that right? Yeah, self isolation. Uh, let's just say that I'm well resourced on the things that matter. Uh, we've, by that I mean. Um, Beer. Ample amounts of liquid refreshments. Um, <laughs> yeah. I ran out of beer yesterday. It was heartbreaking. But my self-isolation lifted today, like my mandated isolation. So I actually went for a run this morning, which was uh, awesome. Shout out to Mountain Goat uh, and John Kelly, if you're listening, because maybe that there was a couple of cases left over from the Bar Awards and I, I have no choice but to make sure that it doesn't pass its due by date. So I've been uh, visiting the office. <laughs> Visiting the office every week, you know, sort of coming back home with new with, with, with new supplies. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we're 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 good. Thank you for asking. Hope your family is as well. Um, no, all good. I, yeah, nice. Um, well, uh, mate, I think we'll probably end up having to do a couple more phone calls, even just check-ins, even if they're short ones over the next couple of weeks as things sort of progress on your end because I think um, it's obviously changing so quickly. There's new yeah, uh, agenda but- items that get brought up all the time and um, maybe we'll just keep, I guess, asking people for help or, or letting them know what's going on and um, seeing where people can get involved and at least just uh, staying abreast of the issues as, they, as you see them. Yeah, I, I would say that we've been pretty reactive in the last four weeks and so... We use the Easter break to get into a proactive mindset, uh, which means, you know, bringing a strategy to um, to light and going for it. And, um, you know, that's shaping up. And just while uh, I've got the opportunity, just want to thank all the people that are giving their time voluntarily um, and now existing members in the Nighttime Industries Association and also um, um, people that are partnering on the campaign which includes broadsheet and uh the spirit and cocktails australian people the independent the australian distillers association and the and the brewers as well and your good self yeah, till no. next time my friend <laughs> mate go and have dinner with your family i'll uh, i'll chat to you tomorrow i'm sure okay okay bye, bye mate bye